I'm Al Filreis, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends in the world of contemporary poetry and poetics to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for a poem that interests us, some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Penn Sound archive writing.upenn.edu slash pensound. Today we're gathered in the Arts Cafe of the Kelly Writers House before a live audience, and I'm going to ask the people here to register their presence by applauding now. There they are. There they are. They are present. And also, again, applaud as I introduce each one of our <laughs> panel of poem talkers, the first of whom is Alden Nielsen, who's Alden Nielsen, everybody. <laughs> I'm the Navajo poem talker. <laughs> <laughs> who's, uh, that's complicated. Whose new book, Trey, was released by Make Now Books in the spring of 2017. He's holding it up whose previous books of poetry include Heat Strings, Evacuation Roots, Stepping Razor, Vexed, Mixage, Mantic Semantic, and Brand New Beggar, whose scholarship includes Reading Race, Writing Between the Lines, C.L.R. James, Critical Introduction, Black Chant, and Integral Music, and who, with Laura Vrana, is editing the collected poems of Lorenzo Thomas. And we wish that manuscript great luck in, and success in finding a great publisher, and who, way back at George Washington University years ago, was a student of Amiri Baraka's classes on African-American literature. And secondly, Billy Joe Harris. <laughs> Put a smile on your face when you hear applause. <laughs> Whose poetry, the same Amiri Baraka, once called direct, quirky, funny, with an understated profundity that is important, unquote, whose books include poetry, Hey Fellow, Would You Mind Holding This Piano, and Criticism, The Poetry and Poetics of Amiri Baraka, and Editions, The Leroy Jones, Amiri Baraka Reader, whose own poems have appeared in more than 50 anthologies, who was professor of American literature at the University of Kansas and director of the creative writing program there in his last four years, and now happily lives and writes in Brooklyn, NY. And lastly, but not leastly, Tyrone Williams. <laughs> poet who has, a poet who has long taught literature, and long taught, <laughs> I didn't really mean to emphasize the long, but he's on sabbatical, so he's feeling, you know, oh. like alive and well right now, who has long taught literature and theory at Xavier University in Cincinnati, author of a number of books of poetry, including On Spec, The Hero Project, Adventures of Pi, among others, and is the subject of Poem Talk episode 86, in which we discussed two poems from On Spec. That was a lot of fun. Whose newest work includes several book reviews in The Constant Critic, Lana Turner, Chicago Reader, etc. Also poems in a recent Colorado review, and a new book of verse coming out from Omnidon in the fall of 2018, tentatively titled as is, as a classic Tyrone Williams title. So it's great to have you all back. The last time the four of us together were together was for a poem talk we did about Lorenzo Thomas, the aforementioned, and somewhere along the line we decided to get the band back together. <laughs> so, Alan, thank you for making the crazy trip from the middle of this state. Got me into platinum status. <laughs> <laughs> and you got platinum status out yep. of it, and I think we should just drop that. Tyrone, congrats on the sabbatical. Sad that it's over, but it sounds like you got a lot done. Yes, thank you. And uh, as is, can you give us a sneak preview? What's, what's the idea of that book, or what's fun about it? Or? <laughs> I'm not sure there's much fun about it, but uh, it's a book of poems about a number of different topics. Name, name one of those topics. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about um, Islam, about the Quran, about the Middle East, about our relationship to the Arab, about a number of different things yeah. like that. Yeah. So as is, is is a big pun there. Yes. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. Big sound. Billy Joe, hey. Hey. Thanks for, thanks for coming. You look great. You look younger and younger every time I see you. <laughs> I guess when you get to 7'5", it starts to wind back or something like that. 
It's Welcome. a family tradition. It's a fa- that's right. <laughs> Youth, youthfulness. Well, we're here today to talk about a poem by the aforementioned Amiri Baraka. It's called Something in the Way of Things in Town and was recorded several times that we know of, including Baraka's performance of it solo at a reading and also a six minute and 47 second performance accompanied by The Roots. Now, The Roots recorded with Baraka just once, just this once, for their amazing Phrenology album of 2002. Uh, And they were doing several of the Phrenology cuts at Electric Lady Studios in Greenwich Village when Baraka one day came in to add his vocals, which is to say this poem, Something in the Way of Things in Town. So we're going to listen to and then discuss this studio recording. So here now are Amiri Baraka and The Roots. In town. In town. In town. In town. Something in the way of things. Something that will quit and won't start. Something you know but can't stand, can't know. Get along with Like that Riding on top of the car Peering through the windshield for its cue Something entirely fictitious and true That creeps across your path Hallowing your evil ways Like they were yourself Passing yourself, not smiling The dead guy you saw me talking to Is your boss I tried to put a spell on him But his spirit is illiterate I know things you know And nothing you don't know Except I saw something in the way of things Something grinning at me And I wanted to know Was it funny? Was it so funny? It followed me down the street Greeting everybody like the good humor man And they got the taste of good humor With no ice cream It was like that Me talking across people into the houses and not seeing the beings crowding around me with ice picks. You could see it. But they look like important Negroes on the way to your funeral. They look like important jigaboos on the way to your auction. They let them chant the numbers and use an ivory pointer to count your teeth. Remember Step and Fetch it. Remember Step and Fetch it, how we laughed, knowing it was Sunday school images giving flesh and jiggling with the ice pick high over his head. Made you laugh anyway. I can see something in the way of ourselves. I can see something in the way of ourselves. That's why I say the things I do. You know it, but it's something else to you. Like that job. This morning, when you got there, it was quiet. And the machines were yearning soft behind you, yearning for that nigga to come and give up his life. Standing there being dissed and broke and troubled. My mistake is I kept saying, that was proof God didn't exist. And you told me, nah, it was proof that the devil do. But still, it's like I see something, I hear things. I saw words in the white boy's lying rags. Said you was gonna die poor and frustrated. That them dreams walk with you across town. You're gonna die from overwork. That the garbage on the street is telling you you ain't shit. And you almost believe it. Broken, mistaken all the time. You know some of the words, but they ain't the right ones. Your cable back on, but ain't nothing you can see. But I see something in the way of things. Something make us stumble. Something get us drunk from noise and addicted to sadness. I see something and feel something stalking us like an ugly thing floating at our back, calling us names. You see it and hear it too. But you say it got a right to exist just like you. And if God made it, but then we got to argue. And the light's gonna come down around us, even though we remember where the bank is. Remember the Negro squinting at us through the cage. You see what I see too? Smile that ain't a smile, but teeth flying against our necks. You see something too. We can't call this name. Ain't it too bad, y'all said? 
Ain't he too bad, such a nice boy. Always kind to his mother. Always say good morning to everybody on his way to work. But that last time, before he got locked up and hurt, real bad. I seen him walking toward his house and he wasn't smiling and he didn't even say hello. But I knew he'd seen something. Something in the way of things and it worked on him like it doing well and he kept marching faster and faster away from us. I never even muttered a word. Then the next day he was gone. You wanna know what? You wanna know what I'm talking about? Saying I seen something in the way of things. And how the boy's face looked that day just before they took him away. There is in that face. And remember now, remember all the other faces. In all the many places you've seen him, or the sister with his child wandering up the street. Remember what you've seen in your own mirror and didn't for a second recognize the face, your own face, straining to get out from behind the glass. Open your mouth like he was going to say something. Close your eyes and remember what you saw and what it made you feel like. Now, don't you see something else? Something cold and ugly. Not invisible, but blended with the shadow crisscrossing the old man squatting by the drugstore at the corner with his head resting uneasily on his folded arms and the boy that smiled and the girl he went with and in my eyes too a waving craziness splitting them into the jet stream of a blackbird his ass on fire or the solemnness of where we go to know gonna be happy. I seen something. I seen something. And you seen it too. You seen it too. You just can't call us name, 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 name. Name, 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 name. So there's a lot of somethings, a lot of its, and when there's that nice boy story toward the end, the speaker says, I knew he'd seen something, and it's at that point that I, as reader, or listener, realize, I really don't know what that something is. I mean, I think the poem is great because it does, for me, exactly what poems I admire do, which is it tells me about something, but it leaves me to work hard to figure out what that something is. So can we, talk, can we start by talking about how that something gets deployed? It's very um, open. Well, you start with the title. Because, as is so often the case, it's pointing in two directions simultaneously. On the one hand, something in the way of things, as in Jill, Jill Scott's getting in the way. And Jill Scott's a heavy presence on this collection, too. Yes. Um, in, the, in the great song, Complexity. Right. But at least, I don't know about other English-speaking countries, but at least in the United States, we have the other meaning, which is more dominant here. The, 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 that's something in the way of being a poem, or that's something in the way of... In the what, manner. Yeah, yeah. So we have both of those at the same time, which makes it impossible to make the something right. just one thing. Right. Tyrone, something. What, what, what do you do well, with that as you're listening? Well, first of all, yeah, I mean, I thought of it obviously in two ways, you know, those two directions that Eldon mentioned. And I I always think of it, but this is probably because I've been working on Baraka on this particular line, talking about um, Marxism and its influence on his on his work. Um, and so I, I tend to read this poem, you know, and listen to this poem in, in terms of, of, you know, talking about in some respects just one direction, one tangent in terms of commodification um, that there's something that's in the way of things. And also, of course, in terms of phenomenology, something that prevents us from getting to the right. way of to the things themselves right. and, and so can, forth. Before I turn to Bill Joe, can you just add something, an example of the commodification? I think maybe the nice, what happens to the nice boy is one example. Something yeah. in the way of an example. Something in the way of an example. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, early on in the, in, um, uh, this morning when you got there and it was quiet and the machines were yearning yeah. soft behind you, yearning for the nigga to come and give up his life, standing there being dissed and broken and, and troubled. So when that's, that's a, 
that's is that a job yeah yeah i mean you know that's that lot that paragraph in particular you know the, for me, at least, resonates in terms of my father, who worked in all three plants in Detroit and and so forth, and was miserable when he was when he was doing that particular job. So I tend to identify, you know, that with you know the tr- commodification as in the way of things. Yeah, Billy Joe, yeah, something. Yeah, something that I think is central. Uh, but before I get to that, uh, what Tyrone talks about. You know, when when Baraka gets to the you know the boy and the plant, you know you do think about you do think about the socialism thing. You do think about uh, people being being weighed down, but but it seems like the weighing down goes back to to racism, and that racism is this thing which is just permeating everything. And when the boy, you know, like the boy is sort of happy at one point, and then he you know he kind of loses it, and he. He, he becomes, dep- you know, becomes depressed, and it's just all this is pushing down. And then there's the line about the garbage, you know, this garbage making you feel well like shit, and uh, you know, it all has to do with this. Uh, what a racist society does to to individuals. Alden, that that leads me to this next thought, which is something is open enough. The, the deployment of the term something and then the it yeah. referring to something is open enough so that it could be, you know, you could follow the idea of commodification. You can also follow the idea of racism being the thing, the something that this nice boy who was kind to his mother discovers. And of course it could be both connected. So uh-huh. it, you know, I guess this is kind of a dumb question uh, that is a, a rhetorical question, but can we talk about how, I'm just going to say great. I'm going to stipulate great. How great it is when a poem can be so specific and so general at the same time so that we have to do a lot of analysis. Well, the answer to your rhetorical question is yes. <laughs> and, and You've said it. Yeah. The, uh, the one thing I guess that nobody besides me is perverse enough to, to do is to read an allusion to a certain song by one George Harrison into this, too. But um, Something in the way she wrote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I'm, that is a mark of greatness in, in poetry, and the point I'd like to make about that with regard to Baraka is, um, this is a classic example of late Baraka, and the reason that's so important to say that is that most of the American poetry world does not know that. Uh, for most of the Academy, the image of Baraka was frozen in the late 1960s, and to most critics, he's just this legacy of the beat era that they trotted out at readings to shout at capitalism and so forth and so on. But when you see some of these, and he did some of that, you know, but when you see the, these late poems, like the, the one in SOS to, to Amina, this one, um, another one of my favorites along these lines, which, which repeats some of the same um, structures and images, is Fashion This from the Irony of the World, you see that he still had the intensity of lyricism that had always been there. People forget yes. this. Yeah. And he had discovered how to wed that intense lyricism to political poetry. There are people who have noted that, but um, given his publication history, including in SOS, it's not as visible as it should be. Just to follow up on something I was about to say, in talking about the something and the it, I mean, I, for me at least, I read the something and the it in, in the poem in terms of the narrator and the you in the narrator, that there's a kind of relationship, a parallel relationship between the narrator and the you and the something and the it, going back, so shelling back and forth. Um, as we move throughout through the poem, speaker seems to be a guide a little bit, and also somehow implicated in the destruction. Yeah, right. Because part of you, it's the narrator, the other another aspect of the narrator himself or herself. Yeah, but it is really interesting to have this other voice, which puzzled me a lot for a while. Mm-hmm. But but then, you know, uh, the Baraka character, the you know the 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 speaker. They both see the same thing, right? But well, the speaker the Baraka, seems to see it first. Um, but, but the Baraka, I knew yeah, he'd yeah. seen something, right. right? But they both see it. But the well, yeah, what's going on? The speaker, the speaker can speak it, can articulate it. The, the you know the last line can name it, and that seems to be. Well, you the, can't can't call its name, but maybe that assumes that the speaker knows the unsayable. 
No, I don't think right? this, no, I don't think the speaker knows. I seen I okay. seen something. I seen something, and you seen it too. You seen it too. You just can't call its name. Well, yeah, this goes back to the rhetoric of the beast. Right, I know everything you know and nothing you don't, except right. yeah. <laughs> except what? What is the line? Except I'd have to find the line. Again. Well, we get so it's, it's, it's not the first. It's the second step. Except uh, I saw something in the way of things. Except I saw, so he keeps it open. And it's right. grinning. Right. I mean, just, uh, he knows but doesn't know how, to, it's unsayable. But I, it's, a, it's not, it's not, no. it's not unsayable, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's simply unnameable. That's the difference. Unnameable, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's, I yeah, think he knows he's trying name. to name it. Yeah, yeah he, I think he knows its name. Yeah. You think he does? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's I don't. I, I, it can't be kept. So when when uh, when when Baraka passed, uh, Amir Thompson, Questlove wrote something of a obituary like comment. Oh yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah and lovely. I'm going to read a paragraph from it and just invite you to respond. Um, this is right after he talks about how they recorded Baraka once, Mr. Baraka once, for phrenology. Uh, the album, he says, was about racial profiling, social Darwinism, and hip-hop itself. And then he writes this. We were at Electric Lady Studios in Greenwich Village, and Mr. Baraka came in to add his vocals, which consisted of reading a poem. He had written something in the way of things in town. I listened to the track again Friday after he died, and I hear so many things hiding in the corners of the poem and his performance of it. There are traces of early poetry mentors like Charles Olson. There's a little William S. Burroughs. There is a reminder of how he opened the door for poetry to speech, to recording, long before The Last Poets or Gil Scott, Gil Scott Heron. There's a devotion to making language mean something, even if, especially if, that something isn't safe and pre-approved. Alden, your thought on well, yeah, Questlove? A gazillion thoughts. Uh, you can tell he's young when he writes that because he says Baraka did this kind of thing long before the last poets. Well, it was like three, four years. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But if you're Questlove's age in 2000, whatever, uh, yeah. yeah, that was long before for him. I uh, love the, the reference to Olsen for yeah. a young Amir Thompson to yeah. be thinking yeah. about Olsen there. That's knowledge of literary history, right? It, it is so lovely. I, and this wasn't the place for it, but I'd kind of like to hear him talk a little bit more about the way they thought through the recording, because uh, as you notice from just now hearing it, the repetition of in town at the beginning is not part of the text. Right, and, right. And the, um, well, the echo the, the, Well, the echo, yeah. And then the echoing of, of um, name at the very end is not part of the text either. And for people familiar with the history of this kind of music, which I'm sure he is, I would call up things like Stephen Reich's Come Out to Show Them or Pauline Oliveros' early tape loop things and so forth and so on. It's a traditional you know, studio technology today, but it's one where you see the value in each iteration of the poem with the musicians finding something in Baraka's poem to, to tease out that way. So that by having that echoing name at the end, it's like demanding that we try to figure out what the name is is even yeah. even more than yeah. beautiful said yeah. Billy Joe yeah I, I uh, it was in the New York Times yeah. yeah and I underlined the 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 same thing and what interested me first of all that he did know Olson so what does that suggest and heard about? Olson in the background right What's right, right it says that there is an interest in this young musician in finding literary history and of course right. it's it's not the sixties moment, the obvious. It's Amir Thompson saying, I'm going to see some complexity in this thing. Right. In the background. And something else. So you know, the whole piece, you know, playing with creating this world is a world sort of a, a, a spooky world, uh, horror film sort of world. And, you know, and I was thinking to, sort of to things like Get Out, not meaning it was out, but, uh, and, you know, he says an influence of Burroughs. And Burroughs has those images, the like the, the images, voices. the ice, yeah, the or the the ice pick and the the teeth biting into necks. I thought that's a really terrific uh, insight. Totally. Can we talk a little bit about phrenology? I know it will take us away a little bit. This album of two thousand two, and maybe anybody wants to add in Baraka, the post nine eleven moment for Baraka. So. This is a pretty highly charged time. Alan, get us started. Well, let me start with the latter. Uh, the, the poem I mentioned earlier, one of the best poems in the latter part of SOS, 
fashion this from the irony of the world. Talk about irony. The opening lines are that I, the undaunted laureate of the place, <laughs> daunted in some as yetted pretense of what they see, they be, and so forth and so on. This was the high point of having hidden tracks. There are several silent tracks on this album. There's the semi-hidden, but everybody knows it's their track with Talib Kweli, for example. Um, so it was an interesting moment in the evolution of making albums and how they would appear in the public. And we don't really do that anymore because you know, people just stream things and so forth and so on. But Baraka's place in this is interesting because, again, he starts in the studio recording the musicians in, what is it, 63, I think is the early one, earliest one, continues throughout his whole life. This is the closest he ever came to doing what people might think of as a hip-hop thing. And it's not a hip-hop poem. It's not a hip-hop track. It right. isn't. No, no, it's not. Uh, and I, on stage, sometimes when there would be these moments when the young rappers would be freestyling, they would invite him to join, and he usually said no. Because? <laughs> well, you know, I never asked him, but because he always works from a text for one thing, even though he changes texts every single time well, he reads them. Yeah. And, well, I think also that... It, w one answer to the question of why he wouldn't perform with other rap artists because you know he until the toward the end of his life by which I mean maybe the last 10 years he had uh, a very ambivalent relationship or attitude toward uh, rap um, but which over which he sort of got you know he makes a distinction that he's interested in if you will socially conscious or political rap so I think that's part of the the answer too but I think in the end Again, what I meant when I said earlier about it's not surprising that the roots would have him come in for this particular cut in this particular poem is because it sounds more like jazz than than quote unquote rap in, in that respect. And of course, I always think of Baraka that no matter what he you know how much he value R and B and blues and so forth, I think in his heart of hearts he truly loved and thought of himself in terms of jazz. Here's a here's a uh, uh, stupid uh, association that I made that we can ignore or unpack. <laughs> unpack. Uh, so he comes off Somebody Blew Up America, which I've sort of referred to a couple times, nobody's taken me up on that, but the, the response to 9-11, which was controversial. So Somebody Blew Up America, well, that somebody is wide open. There's a lot of somebodies. That, and I see a relation, and this is 2002, well, the performance is. I see a relationship between that open somebody and, that, and the open something. Yeah, because in you know his you know his comments about somebody group America is you know his very defensive you know responses to the criticism, um, you know that he got a lot of this from the internet and, and web and all all of that. So he clearly had somebody in mind when he wrote you know somebody blew up uh, uh, America. Um, but I think, that, but the hesitation might, which I think is what you're getting, at, the hesitation to name that in that particular poem. Uh, was probably more, uh, you know, maybe at the last minute, cautious uh, caution on his particular part. But I think that's complete. I think of that as as different than this particular poem because again, I see this poem as talking about what's going on within these communities in terms of the way in which people become have become alienated from themselves because of all the the, the political and economic and social context in which. They live, and so that that young man at the end, you know, the make you know the mockery of of the thing, sort of thing that we always say after a young man or a young person does something, you know, horrendous. That, oh, he was always a young, good young man went to school, and Not you know, the same mama. thing that happened with Trayvon Martin, with Michael Brown, and and so forth. He's he before they happen, right? He's already sort of you know he knows that this is the rhetoric, this is the way these things go. But whatever it was that moved them. And I, so one way to think of the something or the it is that it's so multifarious, you know, multifaceted that to name it would be, you know, like a, like, almost like the name of God. It's a stream <laughs> of names that we, that would be infinite. And you God, know? God is one of those things that in some uh, theologies, one is not supposed to name or not supposed to name easily or cannot name. Right. Um, let's go all the way around and look and pick out passages, uh, lines, uh, something that you want to have us discuss uh, something that hasn't come up yet. Well, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at two lines in the middle of that. Uh, what stanza is that? That's one, two, three, the fourth stanza, the one that begins, my mistake is, I kept saying, about halfway down, um, a little bit more than halfway down, something get us drunk from noise and addicted to sadness, which in and of itself, I, I think is a very interesting mm -hmm. line. 
And then toward the end, the, the next to last stanza, the last line. That's a great stanza. Yeah, or the solemn knotness. Solemn knotness is that of where we go to know we're going to be happy. Solemn knotness is that uh, solemn with an N negatively. Well, I I mean, or does it have to do with Solomon like wisdom that's not? Well, I think he the you know the the pun or the joke the the fact that he conflates those two those two words um, is about rejecting um, you know the solemnity which he associates with sadness, but it's also it's a, in that respect it's a form of negation. I I think of a negation of sadness of of you know the, where we are at this particular point yeah, that's that cool. we don't have to be sad. We're going to be happy, not yet, but eventually. I think he's happy that he's seen something. At least he's seen something. Well, he can imagine in that stanza you point out, because it turns back on him, and in my own eyes too. So, you know, he's not exempt from what he's, you know, what he sees out there. It's in his eyes too. The same thing that that was in the eyes of that young man who, you know, went on the murdering rampage. It's in his eyes too. Mm. That's great. Alan, you got a passage for us to look at? Well, not so much just one passage, but something that happens all through the poem, and that's the way it networks back with the the entire history of Baraka's poetry from the very beginning. The step and fetch it stuff, for example. From the very beginning, we have these uh, images of of Mantan Moreland, Sleep and Eat, and Mm -hmm. Willie Best, and so forth and so on. And those are connected to the other things that happen in the poem. For example, um, the part about remember the Negro squinting at us through the cage, right, you see right. what I see too. Another late poem, suppose you had to live with ignorant white people and Negroes in cages with important chains around their mouth. He is constantly going back to this way that the society in which we live interpolates us with these images right. and these yeah. entertainments and so forth and so on. And there are very few places in his career where he's not doing that, and he does it particularly powerfully here, which makes it interesting that the way most people know it is through an entertainment industry commodity. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm going to follow right on to that, and then you, you're up, Billy Joe. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm putting together what you just said and Tyrone's idea, which is taking hold of me that this is a critique of commodification, or it's significantly one. Um, we get in the second, on the second page of our printout, which must be about the third or fourth stanza, you know some of the words, but they ain't the right ones. Okay, so there's a groping toward expression. Then, your cable back on, I assume that's cable TV, your cable back on, maybe you paid the bill, or maybe they don't, the cable company doesn't care about your neighborhood, so they didn't put it on. It's back on, but ain't nothing you can see. In other words, if you look to the boob tube, you're not going to see what my eyes are seeing, the something I need to see. But I see something in the way of things. So he's yeah, turning away from the blankness of the cable choices, yeah, and, and also, he's seeing something else. And also of the newspapers, the white rags. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Just, so he's, so he's seeing the uh, critique needs to come from what we see rather right. than what's being fed to us. Right. Right. Billy right. Joe, right. a passage? The passage I want, I can't find, so I'll do another passage. Okay. But, but I'll talk about it even though I can't find it, <laughs> uh, which is there is this, you know, th- you think of, you know, Baraka being, a, uh, being non-religious. It's an interesting line about, uh, you know, I thought it was God, but it turns out to be the devil. That's, that's interesting. And then there's a line, there's another line later about, about religion. So I was wondering about how this religion gets into it. But talking about what the poem is about on page two in mine, and I think Alvin was moving, was moving toward this quote, but they looked like important Negroes on the way to a funeral. You laughed like, at that line when it was performed. Yeah, well, uh, sometimes, in a way, this poem is hysterical. But it's hysterical in terms of like, you know, I mean, uh, we are in a very bad condition. And uh, uh, the happenings in this poem, they're, very, they're, they're, very, they're tragic, but they're done in this sort of like incredibly, they're, they're really funny, but it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's dark laughter, not yeah. intended in a racial. Yeah. Yeah. But they looked like important Negroes on their way to a funeral looked like important jigaboos on the way to your auction and let them chant the number and, and use an ivory pointer to count your teeth. 
so going back to the, the whole racial thing, we're going back to an imagery of, of, of slavery. And phrenology. Yes, <laughs> right, right, right. And phrenology, which isn't and a word one, used, but of course that's the name yeah. of the album in which the poem appears. Yeah, although we, right. we don't necessarily know that he knew that at that point. I no, think. right. But there's phrenology in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yes. yeah. You don't There's have to know a lot the of words to know to recognize the right, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which you know maybe Amir Thompson School picked the teacher. poem and said, "Will you do this one with us because it'll complement what we're trying to do on the album?" That seems seems possible. That uh, later reference to religion you remember in Billy Joe comes a little bit farther down the page when he I don't says, remember. "Thank you." When he says, "I've I've seen this thing stalking," and, yeah. and then he he says, uh, "You see it and hear it too, but you say it got a right to exist just like you, and if God made it, but then right. we got to argue." <laughs> yeah, what I think is really, yeah, well, interesting the, uh, that he lets that come into the conversation, that, that the, other, the other person is, uh, is religious. And also the great thing, but we got to argue. We got to argue. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to do two more rounds. The first round will be just, uh, this is, you can pass on this because it's a big question. The first round, I'd like each of us to say why Baraka is important. It's a fairly big and obvious statement, but here's an opportunity since we're recording this an opportunity why Barack is important why, well, why, right. well, <laughs> and then there's that Shakespeare I'm inviting, us, <laughs> I'm inviting us to say something to people who may who, people listening to this who may not be familiar with a lot of Baraka's uh, poems who may be stuck in a stereotypical yeah. version of Baraka that they were taught uh, that's the first thing I'm hoping that we'll do and or maybe extract what? from this poem you know uh, should I start so yeah, then other what, people what, can I mean you've spent so a lot of time to think of something <laughs> Oh, you got it. I'm really building off. Uh, I'm really going back, building uh, on what uh, Alden says, which is, I mean, this is really a great poem, and it's a great poem because I don't know if I'd use the word lyric, but he is this. There's this incredible imagination at work to do this critique, whether it's a political critique or or a racial critique, and you know, there's just an incredible imagination and 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 intelligence there. Yeah. And I think something that Alden was saying before, you know, when he started out writing his Kami poems, they were a bit clanky at all. And then they got better and better and more complicated than the lyricism and the imagination came back. Alden? <laughs> oh, good. Um, actually, I was buying some more time. I was going to say something else very long, but you reminded me of something I witnessed that's perfect for this occasion. Um, some years ago, I saw Joseph Charman and, and uh, some other members of the Art Ensemble of Chicago at a panel, and someone asked them about their slogan, Great Black Music, Ancient of the Future. And along with the other explanations, Roscoe Mitchell said, well, nobody ever said it was great. And the crucial thing here is the, the Academy still will not call Amiri Baraka a great poet, and he absolutely is. The longer answer had to do with his fundamental role in American literary history of the last 70 years. Yeah, well, that's absolutely that. true, yeah. and that, can be, that could be documented, but yeah, they don't want to call That's what they cannot name. They can't call him Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But. Tyrone, your thought on this? Well, I was going to talk, think, when I think of Baraka, I think of his great adaptability. Um, you know, so, you know, to starting writing, you know, those sort of very, very interesting, quote-unquote, quasi-beat poems, you know, in the 50s and 60s, and then, you know, moving on, you know, adapting to the times and so forth through the 60s and 70s, but also willing to criticize himself, to the criticize, you know, to, I mean, yes, other people were more than willing to criticize Baraka, but I mean, he, <laughs> right, like his daughter, but he himself was willing to do, you know, self-critical so to me, as a as a ethical model, that's that's a, that makes him a great poet. That that he's can look back on his work and he can see both the strengths and the weaknesses of that, as well as his political commitments. Fantastic. Okay, final thoughts. Uh, we could talk about this poem in Baraka for a long time, but this is one more thing you wanted to add. You oh about Baraka? Yeah, or no about the poem, whatever. Okay. One more thing you came here today to say and didn't have a chance to yet, and we'll turn to Alden. Nielsen well, first. I'll start with another anecdote. The very first Baraka reading I ever attended, um, there was a Q&A, which seems to happen far more to black poets than to white poets for whatever reason. And as happens, a young fellow stood up in the background and, and, and asked if he had any advice for a young black poet starting out. And Baraka said, get a copy machine. And everybody went, huh? But then he added, because if you're waiting for these people to discover <laughs> you, you will die an old and angry man. Hmm. 
I can't tell the whole story, but if you go into the autobiography, you remember that moment where, and he realizes that if the, that poem, The New Yorker, is what it is to be a poet in America, he's right. not going to be one. Right. But he doesn't say, I can't be a poet. He starts journals. He starts presses. And to his dying day, everyone here who's been to a reading knows he always had that case with him. Right. And there'd be some of his drawings, some things he made in his basement that was stapled we call it saddle stitch, stapled books and so on and so on. He never stopped that do-it-yourself aesthetic. He knew they weren't going to do a, a true collected while he was alive, but he could put out all those little chat books all the time. Yeah, great. Thank you. Tyrone, final thought? Um, briefly, a story from when I uh, met Michael Harper. And I, it was a sort of pilgrimage for me, you know, to go up to him and I admire him. And I said, I so admire your work and so forth, and you're wonderful, you're great, and everything. He looked at me, he says, do the work. <laughs> that's all he said, and then went back to whatever he was doing. So that was, anyway, that's a whole nother thing and so I forth. Like um, but and you've about, done the work. Well, I, I've, I've tried to, but in terms of Baraka, um, I just want to echo uh, what Alden said uh, at the beginning. So he's been saying this over and over again, and, I, and it needs to, be said over and over again. The late work is some of the best work he's Absolutely. ever done, and nobody or very few people know about it. Um, you know, he's, you know, I mean, it's not exactly, maybe it is sort of like, you know, a great artist who do late work and people who have sort of frozen them in time and think of their early work and they want to hear the same old hits and so forth. But Baraka's late poems are just magnificent. Um, and complicated and lyrical, and particularly the last of this book, the last 30 or 40 pages, you know, it's, it bring, it'll bring tears to your eyes if you read it. It's wonderful, uh, uh, those last. I should point out he's referring to the hardback. The paperback has a different last 30 or 40 oh. pages. Oh, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> That's another story for another time. To, but let's do, let's do the bibliography there. Huh. We're referring to SOS. Poems, nineteen sixty. But I guess I'm referring to the hardback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the paperback is different. The paperback why? has a why set of transcriptions different? that were done by Harmony Holiday, except that they aren't all transcriptions, and it's not always clear what they are. Yeah. <laughs> I think it has to do with the editor. Who's kind of it, it does, I mean, it does add tremendously to the book, but um, yeah. again, when you think about what's missing from this book, like the, the peak of the Black Arts here is just mm -hmm. not here. Yeah. Um, and the transcription points in that direction by having a piece... Uh, called what I'm forgetting the title of the poem now. Um, um, it's a, it's Nation Time. Yeah, it's Nation Time. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> you forgot it's Nation. It's time. only a piece of the poem. It's, it's, it's not a transcription right. from the recorded right. version. Yeah, so, well, yeah. appropriate now. We turn for final to the editor to a Baraka editor par excellence. Say <laughs> what you're looking at him. Oh, that's you. Final thought. My final thought isn't about being a Baraka editor, except about that is like when I was doing uh, 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 the Baraka Reader, it was very interesting being in conversation and dialogue with them and fights, lots of fights. And we fought about one Tell us about poem. one fight. Oh, just, uh, he was, I don't remember the poem, it went in. And I said, this isn't a very good poem. It's just a didactic poem, you know, just a political poem. And he said... Uh, we have a different aesthetic. <laughs> Meaning he and you. Yeah, and I thought, okay, that seems, that seems true. Uh, but I think the late Baraka is a great Baraka. And he was doing all these things that he was, you know, you know, here is a guy who's brought it all together at the end. And the last thing I want to say is that uh, we have SOS, and I'm glad it's there, but there has to be a collective Absolutely, poems. Yes. Is it underway? No. No. Well, not not officially, no. Uh, here's a man who's produced an incredible body of a huge body of the work, and I was just looking at a video the other day, and it had him, you know, come yeah. to a reading. What did he do? He would have this folder with 600 poems oh, in it, and he'd say, "Oh, I think I'm going to read." Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really important to have the collected poems, and and I'm so happy that. Uh, we are in agreement about the late Baraka, and I'm so glad that Alden suggested that we do this poem. My final thought is uh, anecdotal. Uh, I was preparing for this, uh, and I've been doing a lot of Amtrak travel between New York and Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and I was sitting there in 30th Street Station waiting for my train, reading this poem, actually listening to The Roots and him, and I was sitting in a spot on one of the pew-like benches there, right in front of a big screen, that's the, uh, if you see something, say something mm -hmm. screen. <laughs> now that's been there since about 2002. 
uh, like this poem. And of course, what's being said there is, well, among the things being said is, uh, be prepared because things are so urgent to rat on your neighbor, there's somebody you don't know, or tell the police because this person's privacy is not as important as the bomb throwing you might prevent, or something like that. And I'm getting to the point where he's talking about the cable TV back on and there's nothing on. And I'm sitting in front of this giant screen that's basically <laughs> propagandizing me about what I should see if I see something. And then I get to the end of this poem. I seen something. I seen something. The thing about this poem that's so great is if I see something and say something, I'm probably saying something that I don't know how to say, that I shouldn't be saying, that there aren't good words for, because the something that's wrong is not going to be encompassed by the thing that I, the person I report, who's looking, looking suspicious or who has too many weird bags or whatever. When you can't, when you realize that you've seen something but you cannot call its name, then you get to poetry rather than simply reporting some phrenological suspicion. <laughs> well, we like to end poem talk with a minute or two of Gathering Paradise. I forgot to remind you guys about this, which is a <laughs> chance for several of us to spread wide our narrow hands and get, gather a little something really poetically good, to hail or commend someone or something going on in the poetry world, or maybe that's gone on in the poetry world in the past. Alden, you're ready. Gathering Paradise. <laughs> Today, I will urge upon you um, a new book by Duriel Harris, No Dictionary of a Living Tongue from Nightboat Editions. Uh, Duriel has always done great work from her very first volume, but this is a really, really worthwhile piece of work in this tradition, but moving it farther along. Fantastic. Thank you. Tyrone Williams. And I will have a review of that book coming out in Chicago. And that's your Gathering Paradise, right. your review. <clears throat> mm -hmm. No, go ahead. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Like, right. So... Um, um, Wednesday night um, in New York, I, I met this young poet uh, through Brenda Jima, um, Arisha uh, Wadud, who has a very, very good chat book on Brenda Jima's uh, Portable Press, Yo-Yo Labs uh, Press. Um, and it turns out, completely co coincidentally, she's reading at the ICA just a few blocks from here tonight at 6 uh, p.m., so I'll be attending that. That's fantastic. Uh, it's a, the chat book is great. And what's even stranger, and we've emailed about this, is that it turns out that she refers to the same Derek Walcock lines in, her, in, that, in that poem, in, in the book, mm -hmm. that I used in, um, in one of my poems in CC. So we've been talking about how is it that we both were driven, drawn to the same lines mm. in, uh, in the schooner flight that that great Derek Walcott poem. But anyway. That's fantastic. So I'm going to spell the name so everybody gets it right. Asiya Wadud, first name A-S-I-Y-A, and then W-A-D-U-D, and the name of the book is We Too Are But the Fold. And tonight's ICA reading is being sponsored by someone who's in our audience today, I think. Davey, is that correct? Dave, Davey Niddle, and also the second reader is a Writer's House favorite, uh, Anna Strong-Safford. So... That'll be really cool. So we're all going to that. You're, Billy you're afraid of it. You think I'm just like weird. What are you going to okay. do here? What, he's, you're so He's got his notebook out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm scared of that notebook. <laughs> right. uh, a book that I'm reading and I think is terrific is called Epistrophes, Jazz and the Literary Imagination. Yeah, that's a good book. It's, edited, it's written by Brent Edwards. Uh, it covers, you know, Louis Armstrong, uh, J uh, James Weldon Johnson, Duke Ellington, Sun Ra, Mary Lou Williams. There's a lot of Baraka running through it. Uh, uh, Brent was a, I belong to something called the Jazz Study Group at Columbia University. And then when it started, there was this graduate student named Brent <laughs> uh, Edwards. And he's been in the group ever since. And he's dealt with sort of every important theme. And not only does it clarify my ideas, these themes are important for understanding jazz and poetry. And something that's interesting about this book is he will talk about, about musicians like, uh, like Sun Ra as, as poets. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And Say the, the title again so people can... Epistrophes, Jazz, and the Literary Imagination. And it, it's... it's it's terrific. There are oodles of ideas on every page. Fantastic. Well, my, uh, 
My Gathering Paradise is a, uh, a, a possible influence on Baraka. Um, uh, maybe one that, uh, that Questlove didn't mention, or maybe it's not really there consciously, but we look back to the 1930s to members of the Communist Party, uh, so, you know, anti-capitalist critic poets who were also modernists, right, who were also experimentalists and lyricists. And uh, so the, 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 the poem from that period that I think of when I think about Baraka, this poem and some other poems, I'm thinking about a poem called Incident from the 80s. Oh, that is uh, kind incident. of a possible, yeah. yeah, Baraka's incident where, where uh, a murder has happened, but we don't know who the subject and object of the murder were, and the, the, the pronoun he just gets used, and you realize that that's real, that that's really the way sometimes this kind of violence occurs and that we can't separate them. Well, so Kenneth Fearing, and I'm going to take the liberty of reading this poem, Kenneth, Kenneth Fearing's Green Light. And it, similar to something, there's something here, it, that we just don't know what it is, but it's a critique of capitalism for sure. Bought at the drugstore, very cheap, and later pawned after a while. Heard on the street, seen in the park, familiar, but not quite recognized. Followed and taken home and slept with, traded or sold or lost. Bought again at the corner drugstore, at the green light, at the patient's demand, at 9 o'clock, reread and memorized and rewound, found unsuitable, smashed, put together and pawned. Heard on the street, seen in a dream, heard in the park, seen by the light of day, carefully observed one night by a secret agent of the Greek Hydraulic Mining Commission in plain clothes off duty. The agent in broken English took copious notes, which he lost. Strange and yet not extraordinary, sad but true, true or exaggerated or true, as it is true that the people laugh and the sparrows fly, as it is exaggerated that the people change and the sea stays, as it is that the people go, as the lights go on, and it is night, and it is serious and just the same, as someone dies, and it is serious and the same, as a girl knows, and it is small and true, as the corner hardware clerk might know, and it is true and pointless, as an old man knows, and it is grotesque but true, as the people laugh, as the people think, as the people change, it is serious and the same, exaggerated or true, bought at the drugstore down the street, where the wind blows and the motors go by, and it is always night or day, bought to you as a last resort, bought to impress the statuary in the park, bought at the cut rate, at the green light, at nine o'clock, bought or borrowed to look well, to ennoble, to prevent disease, to entertain, to have broken or sold or given away or used and forgotten or lost. That's Kenneth Fear and Green Light. Well, that's all the knowing things you know and nothing you don't know we have time for. Except talk today. <laughs> Except... <laughs> Poem Talk at the Writer's House is a collaboration with the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing and the Kelly Writer's House at the University of Pennsylvania and the Poetry Foundation. Poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guests. And here's your chance to say how great they were. Alden Nielsen, Billy Joe Harris, and Tyrone Williams. Thank you. And to Poem Talk's directors and engineer today, Zach Cardner and Mary Oshalana, and to Poem Talk's editor, the self same amazing Zach Cardner, and a shout out to Nathan and Elizabeth Light for their very generous support of Poem Talk. This is Al Filries, and I hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of Poem Talk. <laughs>